0: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to another episode of the Comrade Cast. Unfortunately, I just didn't have the gas in the tank to finish our doubleheader. It ended up working out okay. I got about halfway through it. I'm like, nah, man, this is not good enough. Not making the cut. So I decided that I would instead save that topic for today. And it is a big one. It's one I've been wanting to talk about or really focus on because we have talked about it before, but I'm hoping this will be the final kick at the can, the final episode we do on it at least for quite some time. But not only that, this is in fact the 50th episode of the Comrade cast. Quite a big deal. And obviously it's nice to make it to number 50. I am thinking about if I'm going to now start removing the numbers from the titles, as YouTube just seems to hate sequential videos for whatever reason, and obviously just leave the numbers on the audio versions that go up on Spotify and iTunes. Haven't made that decision quite yet. That being said the only minor thing after episode 50 is i'm probably just going to drop the numbers from the main title not sure if i'll have some i might just put the date in rather than a number i'm not sure yet i haven't figured it out so regardless though this is as i said a big episode and i want to do our final examination our thorough examination of the red pill movement which i have discussed before as i believe it's circling the drain In terms of its uh, societal clout and influence, so I really want to talk about what is going to happen next. What are some ways we can replace this thinking? What is going to be the next thought, the next sort of idea, group, or thought process that comes after this? Going to be talking about a lot of those kind of questions, but overall, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This episode is probably going to get weird. I'm going to bare my soul. My soul is going to get born a little bit during this episode. We're going to be talking about all kinds of crazy crap. So I'm sorry if it gets weird, everybody. But before we really jump into that, I do want to talk about the important thing and the reason why I think that this movement has gained so much traction, especially amongst young men, and the important thing and the most important thing, in my opinion, that we could possibly take from it moving into the future. And if you're wondering what that thing is, what that most important thing is, well, in my opinion, It is, without a doubt, self-respect. After spending years of talking to men as to why they were attracted by the red pill, why they fell into their content, what happened, so on and so forth, the most prominent thing every time is something to the effect of that they lacked self-respect and that someone in a relationship took advantage of that. And to use that lack of self-respect against them to control them, And this is how I see so many guys fall into bad relationships because they don't respect themselves. And let's be real, guys, it's very hard uh, for someone to be in a relationship with you, not just in a sort of romantic sexual way, but even as, as a friend. It's very difficult for someone to be in a relationship with you or respect you if you don't respect yourself. And the unfortunate thing from a guy's perspective is that When it does come to those romantic relationships, a lot of us, particularly when we're younger, really haven't found that self-respect, really lack that self-respect and identity. And usually what happens from a dating standpoint, when you don't respect yourself, what happens is that at best, women ignore you, and then at worst, they take advantage of you. And yeah, achieving this sort of self-respect for guys, especially when we're young, not an easy thing to do. And again, I think that is the good part of the red pill. And what I hope that by and large young guys take away coming away from this movement is that you guys should have self-respect. You guys should respect yourselves. It's an integral part of becoming a holistic human being. So my point here being is that if you are one of those guys that has used some of these concepts that have originated from red pill people to gain that self-respect, I actually think that's a good thing, and I absolutely do not want to take that away from you in any way, shape, or form. The unfortunate thing, though, is that respect for ourselves really is only half of the equation. And unfortunately, what ends up happening a lot of the time in our pursuit of self-respect, we end up ignoring or diminishing the other side of the equation, and really you need to balance these two things to be that kind of happy, holistic person that people want to be around. So what's the other side of the equation, you ask? Well, that's easy. That is, of course, respect for others. And I do think it is a lot easier said than done to have both respect for ourselves and respect for others. There are definitely times in life where I do think that this is pretty, by and large, easy to maintain both. But there are certainly times when you need to walk a very fine line in between respect for others and respect for yourself. And this is where a lot of the red pill guys stall out and realize that a lot of the information they're getting isn't actually useful or helpful, especially if you're the kind of person that actually wants to have meaningful long-term relationships with other human beings. Because I've noticed a lot of the times what happens is that during that process of building up respect for themselves is that they either lose respect for others or they just never really had it in the first place. They didn't have respect for themselves and they didn't have respect for other people. And unfortunately, again, what happens for a lot of these red pill guys is that women eventually learn when they get close to them that, yeah, maybe they have respect for themselves, but they don't have respect for other people, which means most likely they won't have respect for me. Or the people in my life that I'm close to and that I care about. So I definitely think that there's no question that sort of self-respect, self-confidence is very alluring, both to men and women. But if you get close to that person and you realize that they don't have respect for other people, that's a huge turnoff. Because another reason why this is that it very much so belies a inner sense of insecurity. Uh, And I submit, I'm sure many of the women that listen to this podcast would agree with me that there are few things that are more unattractive to a woman than insecurity. And when you don't have respect for others, that's usually what they will read it as, is a sense of insecurity. And that's also what they read things like homophobia and transphobia as. They read it as a sense of insecurity, and this is why it's extremely unattractive to women. But you know what the interesting thing here is that I actually think that it is way easier to walk this line of respecting yourself and respecting other people if it's people that you aren't close to, right? If it's people that you don't have uh, significant ties to in your life. The reason for that being is that it's harder to punish them or have really stringent punishments or whatever you want to say uh, if they break your boundaries, right? If I have a friend and we've been friends for a couple months or- And then they start violating my boundaries or whatever that I've clearly set out to this person. I've asked them to stop. You know, there's no, it's no big thing for me to be like, okay, just cut them out of my life. See you later. Don't need to talk to you. Don't need to be around you anymore. Obviously if it's my wife or someone very close to me that I've known for a long time that starts treading on those boundaries that starts violating those boundaries, it's a lot harder. I think personally, actually to enforce those boundaries when it's someone that you're really close to. And we could really see this lack of self-respect starting to play out amongst the men within the red pill community itself, because it's becoming pretty clear that these people have no respect for one another and they hate each other. And this is one of the things that I'm finding very fascinating about this red pill movement right now. And this was one of the major catalysts that really made me want to do this episode This is here. This is from a a clip from a a Vosh stream where he goes over basically one of these clips from Fresh and Fit on Tim Pool. It's a couple months old. Basically, spouting all his ridiculous nonsense about how he thinks human beings should interact with one another. But there was one point that really caught my attention. It really drove home like the the hypocrisy and self loathing here. And again, this is really baffling to me. And the reason why is because i will give you guys one of my biggest pet peeves and and if you remember my episode comrade against the left i elaborated on this a little bit one of my biggest pet peeves is when people on the left will shit all over specifically young men because as we've talked about before people in our demographic i'd say our millennial zoomer demographic really haven't had the opportunity to get anywhere near the levers of power and the fact of the matter is is that all of us in these younger generations are exploited by the older people right now regardless of what age or ethnicity or sexual orientation these older people happen to be i am really starting to feel like it's becoming like the young versus the old in terms of our our real political fault lines So yeah, nothing grinds my gears more than when left wing people will say that young men aren't marginalized. These people have had absolutely no opportunity to access the lever of power. They've had absolutely no opportunity to impact our society at large. So, I think it's a very shitty thing to do, and it's obviously a, a reason why a lot of younger men have been driven away from the left. But what is just so shocking to me is that these people. These red pillars are doing the exact same thing, except even worse, and these guys are just like eating it up. They're eating up the abuse that they spent so long complaining about that they get from women and from society and from the mainstream media. But when it's one of their red pillars that shits on them, they say, yes, daddy, please give me more. So let's read this little comment here from the stream. It says, this is cool for the top 10% of men But what about the rest of us? 90%. Oops. I cut that off, what the fuck? I don't make 300 K a year. Sorry, bro. And of course the first comment, and this is, uh, he can't see it. It has nine likes. Unfortunately, the, the stream has covered it up. The initial statement has five likes and this King scavenger guy replies. Ah, poor victim mentality. We are so worried about you. Nobody cares. So when this guy says, Hey. Not everybody is going to be the top 10. It's statistically impossible. These guys are like, fuck you. We don't care. Go away. We don't want to hear you. And of course, this guy says, that's your fault. I'm in college and full time. Obviously don't have 300K. I'll do everything a year to get it. Right. This is definitely one of the things, most insidious things, I think, about capitalism, that it has gotten regular, marginalized people to start to think that their ills and the fault that they're not succeeding in society is their own rather than the systemic forces that keep them down. Because here's the thing that capitalists and a lot of right-wing people never ever talk about, is what do we do with the people who don't succeed in life? And usually, the answer is, fuck them. I don't care. Well, unfortunately for you, those people that don't succeed don't just disappear. They don't just give up and die. They start to get angry. They start to blame the system. They start to agitate for change because people just aren't going to sit back and accept that everything is their fault and accept that it's their own fault that they didn't succeed, especially when we don't live in the 1950s anymore, where realistically you could succeed with play, by playing by the rules and doing what the system expects of you. These days, not anymore. So, yeah. I don't want to shit on you guys. I actually care about you guys. I want you to succeed in life. I want you guys to have a good life and a happy life. I'm not here to shit on you and tell you that all your problems are your own fault. And so with that little spiel out of the way, I want to go into a couple reasons as to why a lot of these overarching opinions and philosophies from the red pill don't work. But I also want to talk about some of the real social problems that the red pill has touched on, but how they really failed to explain what's actually happening and give some maybe alternate explanations and less scary and disastrous explanations as to what is happening. So let's jump into that now. And I mentioned it before is that the main reason why the red pill does not succeed as a dating strategy is because eventually women will see through you. I do think that it really helps guys, again, build up that confidence, build up that self-respect, get their foot in the door. But, you know, once you get your foot in the door with this uh, technique, with this way of thinking, eventually she's going to learn that things are a little bit weird here. Things are a little bit uneasy. And although this is one of the things that I have heard people in this movement say is that you always need to make your girl feel uneasy or off-put or like... You could leave at any time. One of my favorite ones I've heard is, is from these guys and be like, she's got to be scared to know that she cheats on you. You're going to leave her. I'm like, isn't that like the deal with every fucking relationship? Like at least monogamous relationship. That's put into the whole deal when you guys decide to be exclusive with one another. I don't really don't think you need to be reminding your wife or your girlfriend. Just remember, if you cheat on me, I'll leave you. You just don't need to keep reminding them of that. I think that is, by and large, a very implicit assumption. But of course, if someone cheats on you, you should leave them. Man or woman, regardless. To me, I think that cheating is probably the highest form of abuse. Sorry, excuse me, highest form of emotional abuse in a relationship. I do think, right, the only thing that surpasses cheating as a worst thing to do to somebody is physical abuse or sexual abuse so yeah i do think that should be understood between two people but again my point here is not like you have to pound it into their head all the time every time like i said you got to walk that balance of respecting yourself and respecting others yeah she has to know that you're not some spineless wimp that will completely cave the instant that she pushes back or that something bad happens of course right These are, again, important parts of just being a holistic human being. But it's not like she wants someone to keep her afraid. But again, they do focus on, I think, some real problems, but do miss the mark a lot of times in terms of what is explanation as to why this is actually happening. So one of the things they talk about a lot is like the 80-20 rule, which is that Women only view 20% of the men as above average and 80% of the men as below average. Therefore, all the women are going to compete for the top 20% and all the 80% will get nothing. In my 30-odd years of life on this planet, I have seen absolutely no evidence at all to indicate that percentage is anywhere near that high. The one thing I do think exists is a sort of class of men that have an extraordinarily difficult time finding with and connecting with a member of the opposite sex. And to me, I think this percentage is actually reversed, right? I think it's more like the 20, 80% type of thing where that 80% of guys will, generally speaking, be able to find a, a girl, connect with a girl. And maintain a long term relationship, there is going to be that 20% of people, that 20% of guys that will struggle, and it is going to be very difficult for them. And this is a real issue. It's not really that beneficial to me to spend a bunch of time quibbling over how big the actual percentage of the true incel population is. But to me, they definitely exist. They're out there and they exist at a High enough percentage rate to really do some damage to society, and I don't think it's really helpful or beneficial for us to ignore them and dismiss them and pretend that they don't exist and that there's nothing we can do to help them. But one of the reasons I feel like a lot of these people don't have a grasp on the real world, like like they've never seen people having relationships in society in real life, and the reason I believe that none of these guys have ever actually seen guys in the real world and been around guys that are like dating in the real world is because one of the things I've really noticed, especially guys who are younger than me, maybe five, ten years younger than me, is I've really started noticing that they've really jumped on this bandwagon that I'm calling the Puma Pride bandwagon. So I learned this term years ago. God damn, I wish I could remember. Who taught me it, who told me this term, because it's so beautiful. But anyway, so what is a puma? Well, a puma is a girl who is a step below a cougar. A puma is a woman in her 30s, usually dating someone in their 20s, early, mid-20s, something along those lines. Maybe it helps that I generally work in a field where guys tend to take care of themselves, tend to be in good shape. tend to be. But a lot of these younger guys, like I said, early to mid-20s, are in relationships with women who are in their early to mid-30s, who are 5, 10, maybe 15 years older than them. Well, maybe not that, because then you get to cougar territory, right? And honestly, these guys are deliriously happy for the most part. From whenever I talk to them, they seem like they're very happy in their relationships. Things are going very well. Their girl treats them very nicely. And this would make sense if you actually stopped to think about it for two seconds, because I really do think that there is something to this idea of a lot of younger girls, especially right coming out of college or high school or whatever, moving towards being attracted to older men, men in their late 20s, early 30s, that sort of thing. I do think that is definitely a phenomenon that is happening with the invention of the internet. But this obviously begs the question of the other side of the coin, which is, well, there will be women who are older who may be struggling to find people, and then there are men who are younger who may be struggling to find people. There we go, Puma Pride. So if this sort of 80% phenomenon were really a thing, in my opinion, that I wouldn't be seeing this Puma Pride phenomenon, right? That these women who are older and maybe they're out of their first marriage or something like that, When they're looking to start another relationship with a man, they are going for younger guys who maybe won't have the same type of baggage or issues or that type of thing, rather than going for guys are old their own age or older. Though I think one of the reasons why I don't want to talk about this is a lot of the red pill guys like to pretend that like once a woman gets past 30, like she just doesn't exist anymore, like she just explodes or something. Because to them, right, a woman's value is based upon two things that is based upon their ability to pleasure a man and their ability to produce babies. So they like to keep you brainwashed, right? Keep you not thinking about other people who might want to date you and that you might want to date, opening your mind, those horizons a little bit. Regardless though, that doesn't really help us for the insult problem, although maybe it can help maybe some guys feel a little bit less depressed in their younger dating life i talked to so many young guys that are 10 years younger than me and they are just so depressed about their prospects about finding women about finding love and that kind of stuff and i do think that a lot of this negativity has really been hammered into their head over the years but another thing i do want to say is that when it actually comes to helping the incels i do have a interesting solution or at least potential solution that I'm going to run by you guys. And this is something that happened. I think one of the biggest problems for a guy, uh, especially when they're young and figuring everything out in the dating relationship department is like just getting through the door, right? Just getting past that first time and getting some experience and, you know, some knowledge and getting your feet wet proverbially really helps in my opinion, uh, build that confidence And kind of once you know what's going on, and you know, once you know what you can do, it really helps get the ball rolling. And once you have that confidence, things can really start to snowball out of control in a good way. So you might be thinking, well, how does this help the incels? Well, we've talked about how we should try and move towards a future in society where sex work isn't looked down upon, where sex work sex work is a common thing that People can engage in and is taxed by the government and everything is above board. But I get it, right? This idea of like just going to a prostitute and like just getting it out, it's gross, it's weird, it's nasty. What if instead of going to a prostitute, you were going to a sex coach? This sounds like a weird idea, but hear me out, right? So you'll go to someone who will teach you how things work down there, how to pleasure a woman, how to last longer. So instead of going to a prostitute, you're actually going to a sex class and someone is teaching you ways that you can improve yourself. Because the thing about sex, right? Unfortunately, us guys really don't come programmed with anything more than just the basics, (laughs) anything more than that, it takes time and practice and energy and skill. And unfortunately, unless you're in a homosexual relationship, practicing on yourself really doesn't get you very far. So I think for young guys, having someone that they could practice with and someone that is open with them and patient and kind and caring and understanding can really help them in building their confidence and going a long way to having better relationships in the future. And I can say this because I had a similar experience when I was younger. that When I was um, a young man before I came onto YouTube or anything like that, fact, just before uh, my very first university year, I had a very brief and intense affair with a woman who was older than me, and she was very kind and patient with my lack of understanding at that time and really taught me a lot of good skills and a lot of valuable knowledge that helped me build my confidence. And then going into the rest of my university years, I felt a lot more confident and a lot more capable around women because of that experience, right? Really helped destigmatize this notion of prostitution, particularly here in the West. Maybe we can, like I said, call it something different. Maybe we can go a long way and at least trying to manage this problem because unfortunately, there is always going to be an excess demand from men for sexual contact than women will generally speaking because unfortunately there is always going to be an excess demand for sexual contact from men because of our extremely annoying sex drive and this is one of the things that i really struggle to explain to women is just how awful and brutal and fucking merciless sometimes the male sex drive can feel like it's just this ongoing grind that never ends and never stops and never stops alerting alarm bells in your head if you haven't had sex in an appropriate period of time as your biological urge would describe it it's one of those feelings that if you don't manage it if you don't take care of it will drive you crazy and yeah honestly virtually all the mistakes and bad decisions that i really regret in my life have been made because of poor decisions as a result of trying to shut that little alarm bell up. And unfortunately, the best thing you can really do is manage it and take care of it because there is absolutely no way you could ever expect men to just get rid of it. It's impossible unless we invent some sort of ways to rewire men's brain chemistry, which obviously has a whole heap of disgusting ethical implications and yeah, the thing is, it just, it, it never stops. It's always a grind. And it's always, like I said, like this little alarm bell that just slowly, over time, just gets louder and louder and louder and louder until you deal with it. And I remember once I was trying to time how long I could have peace of mind before that kind of little alarm bell started to go off again. And I once shared an intimate moment with my wife before going to work. And I remember it was exactly three hours into my shift before that alarm bell started quietly, not loud, right, but started quietly going off in the back of my head again. And It's fuck, here we go. I had three hours of reprieve and that was it. And now we're starting to cycle all over again. Now, before we move on to the next part of the episode, I really want to swing back and talk about this idea of the 80-20 rule because i think that there is an explanation as to why a lot of guys feel like this might be true and i think that a lot of men project the way they see their own dating preferences onto women and it's not the way they see it what i mean here is that while yes when you ask enough guys eventually this woman very much so starts to look the same, right? These are similar characteristics that are repeated from a wide swath of the male population. The thing is though, when the rubber meets the road, we aren't actually that picky about our quote-unquote type. I will say when it comes to actual long-term committed relationships, yes, we are um, more picky and we do want a woman to conform more to that ideal type. But certainly not when it comes to casual relationships. Women, I think, are the opposite. Whereas when you talk to women about the types of men that they're attracted to, you get all kinds of different things, right? You have a huge variation on traits that women will give you. You'll have tall guys, skinny guys, guys who climb on rocks. But when it comes to their actual type, women are much more selective and very unlikely to select a man outside of that type. For example, my favorite ice cream might be mint chocolate chip, but you put Rocky Road in front of me, I'm going to eat it. Provided, of course, I haven't made an exclusive commitment to another ice cream flavor, but that's neither here nor there. But you understand what I mean. While I may have a favorite type of ice cream, you put ice cream in front of me, probably going to eat it. Women, on the other hand, you know, their favorite type is Rocky Road, but you put mint chocolate chip in front of them, they're not going to eat it. They may eat a, a flavor outside of their preferred type if it is dressed up with a lot of toppings, shall we say. But this is not something that comes naturally. And I think this kind of dichotomy really frustrates men when they talk to women and they say that they have a much wider variation of body and personality types that they seem to like than men, but they're very selective within those types and i think that really frustrates a lot of guys i really don't know why i still got the puma pride here it's not important for anything we're talking about but it does crack me up anyway and i do think for most women they have probably four or five different types of men that they're attracted to and most of them they may have a pretty good understanding of their type but some of them will be completely unknown to them and they won't realize that this kind of man is their type until they actually run into anyway i'm starting to get off the rails here but it is important that i just wanted to go back and talk about that a little bit because i do think it is a very big sticking point and leads to a lot of frustration and miscommunication and with that i want to move into some contradictory ideas and advice that i'm going to give you outside of kind of the red pill thinking and philosophy. And some of the advice that I may give you here is probably going to sound controversial and counterintuitive. But the thing is, the more and more you start to think about this and reflect upon it in your own mind, the more you will begin to realize that this is the way. All right, so let's move on here to our next segment. And one of the things that I really want to stress with you guys, and one of the traps that I see a lot of young guys especially falling into is this notion that whatever is masculine is by definition attractive to women this is absolutely 100 percent not the case well yes obviously sort of our venn diagram of attractive traits to women and masculine traits does have a significant bit of overlap so i'm not telling you the opposite right Everything that I want you guys to understand is that we are talking about in a nuanced and balanced perspective. So yeah, not everything that is masculine is by definition attractive to women, but a lot of stuff is. And it's extremely important that you learn where that line ends and where it begins. And one way that I see guys especially really take things too far is in regards to fitness and working out well excuse me let me rephrase that it's not that they take things too far but rather that they seem to think that in order to gain success they have to go this far and that kind of prevents them from getting out of the starting gate they see how far they or at least they have a perception of how far they need to go and it just seems improbable and impossible and because of that They just never get out of the gate. They'll look at a picture of Giga Chad and they'll think, I've got to be like him in order for women to pay attention to me. But here's the secret that nobody tells you that is, for a lot of women, Giga Chad really isn't that attractive. And the reason why is because he very much so enters that uncanny valley of someone who doesn't seem natural anymore, someone who has expanded his proportions beyond what would be perceivably human. And I first really ran into this when I was trying to tell my wife about the GigaChad meme and like what it means and stuff like that. And so I started like showing her pictures of the GigaChad. And the first one that I showed her is this one here. And in this one, there's no question. Like he looks really good, sitting there, great pose. Everything is framed incredibly well. And one of the things I was telling her is like this guy or whatever a lot of people see him as the you know the, the typical quintessential man that people looks wise that people should aspire to be so she's like okay, okay let me see him so i show her this picture right she's, okay yeah he looks good he looks really good and then the next one i show her is this one and she like instantly recoils in horror and she's like now that i've gotten close to him now that i can see him up close i can see how unnatural his proportions actually look and he's really crossed over into that uncanny valley i got another clip here that i'm gonna show you guys to really emphasize the, the point that i'm trying to make here is that not only is there a sort of diminishing returns by continually going to gym there's a point where you can make people really turned off hey there sweets let me help you see your elbows aren't tight so you're missing out on a sick rep. His arm's having a heart attack. Rip macho man Randy Savage. So, what the hell is my point here? Am I telling people not to exercise? Am I telling people not to take care of themselves? Are I telling people not to look good? No, absolutely not. What I'm telling you is that you don't need to really fret or build yourself up or feel like you have to live up to this impossible standard to get yourself into a better physical condition. And The thing is that we, at least for the West and the West, we've really, for our Western male body standards, we have, we have an established, basically, not universal, right? Established, very agreed upon standard. And that ideal body type is what I like to call the Greek statue body type. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you guys know your Greek history, like to study your Greek art they came up with a standardized body type for all men to be statuized in but all basically all statues of men that are supposed to exemplify this masculine physical characteristic this masculine strength and you know a certain type of handsomeness all of those statues were created with a very specific body type which has basically been represented by all Western sculptures since their inception in Greek history. And that's one of the reasons I use this particular statue of Augustus Caesar here, because, again, if you know your history, you'll know that Augustus, in terms of his body, looked absolutely nothing like this. He was a very sickly and physically weak man. But but when it came to projecting his image into the public he just basically took that exact greek statue body type and put his head on it and he's like yep that's me boys so anyway my point here is i just maybe this is something that has been in my personal life too much is that i just see so many guys really trying to kill themselves are unable to get out of the gate because they think they gotta reach this ridiculous pinnacle This is a, I think, very easy body type for any man to reach with moderate physical exercise. This is the kind of body type that I'm going for since I started exercising. And let me tell you guys, exercising has not only given me a ton more energy to be able to do all the things that I do on a regular basis, it's actually made me a more left-wing person. And this is one of my favorite things that you'll hear right-wing people say is that, oh, if you work out, you'll become more right-wing. Total nonsense. Like I said, since I've started working out on a regular basis, I have only gotten more left wing because I feel more confident to fight for the principles that I believe in. So working out and getting into shape is just going to make you more confident, give you more energy and give you more power to fight for the principles that you care about and you believe in. And so let's talk about another real quick idea about the red pill that really bothers me, really grinds my gears which is this idea that men and women can never be friends with each other, that you can never have a platonic relationship with a member of the opposite sex. Because there's no other reason why you would do this unless you're planning to sleep with somebody. Come on, guys, this is like grade school stuff. This reminds me of the kind of stuff like you'd hear on the third grade playground, like boys and girls aren't allowed to play with each other. They have to be segregated or something like that. I hate this attitude so much, and I'll give you several reasons why. One is that I think it creates a very toxic and unhealthy relationship, because not only does it encourage this reckless hypervigilance that people really don't like, but you're going to create a scenario where your partner is talking to a person of the opposite sex, and they're going to worry the entire time that they're doing something bad Even when they're not and this is the kind of attitude that can build up a lot of resentment real fast in a relationship well for so one it's unhealthy and hurts the relationship two it's a very toxic way to view uh relationships between men and women because effectively what you're saying is that there is absolutely no circumstance in which men and women would really want to interact with each other unless they had the potential to sleep together so effectively When you boil it down, what you are saying is that the only reason you interact with the opposite sex at all is basically for sexual intercourse. And that's it. And personally, I think that's a really fucked up way to view the world. Sorry, I have, I spilled water. (laughs) Taking a sip, I spilled water all over myself. And then third, I think you need to have a friend group of both men and women in order to really be a well-balanced person. I think if you cut the opposite sex out of your life entirely, except for your partner, basically you are cutting off a huge section of the world to your interaction, and because of that, I think you won't be as well-rounded as a person. Men and women have different perspectives, and they have different priorities, and it's important to keep friends of both sexes in your life so you can be acquainted with all perspectives this whole attitude just because something can happen doesn't mean it will happen just because I can be murdered or someone can mug me and steal my stuff doesn't mean I'm going to spend the entirety of my life i um, worried about these things happening and I'm going to live in fear or force my partner to live in fear because that these bad things might happen to me that's no way to live your life but of course that's not to say that you don't need to, and you shouldn't enforce healthy boundaries with your partner. Because of course, there are times when these potential opposite-sex relationships can go over the line, and you need to trust your partner to be able to set and maintain those boundaries. I don't care if my wife has male friends, but if she's talking to some guy all the time, I'm coming home from work, we hadn't seen each other in a while, and she's talking to someone else, That's a huge red flag, and that is definitely going to be something where I'm like, okay, we examine our boundaries here. And, of course, I would expect her to do the same to me if things were reversed. So, again, it's all about finding the right balance and maintaining those appropriate boundaries. And I do believe setting and maintaining healthy boundaries is extremely important for a functioning relationship of any type between people. And enforcing those boundaries does take self-respect. And again, the red pillars are right that if you don't respect yourself, no one will. Now, moving into another thing I really want to talk to you guys about. And I think one of the ways that I have at least been able to maintain a successful and healthy relationship this past decade is that, you know how people say, (laughs) you've heard this phrase... Uh, on the internet, become ungovernable. Well, I'm telling you guys to become unknowable. Because I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is honestly something that I strive to be, to become unknowable. None of you will be able to figure me out, ever, man or woman. You don't know me. I am unknowable. And the big key to this is, in my opinion, is the good old ABCs which is always be changing. I'm the kind of person who always wants to learn new things, learn new skills, pick up new ways of seeing the world, find new information. And with that, using these skills to constantly better and improve myself. And through that process, I kind of joke around about becoming this unknowable thing, but the main reason here is to prevent stagnation, to prevent yourself becoming stagnant as a person. Because I really do believe that once you start growing, once you start staying, your, life's, your, your life is done, effectively all but the crying type of thing, right? Your life is really done, but you're still existing on this world until you die. And over my time on this planet, one thing I've noticed is that, of course, neither men nor women like it when the relationship is stagnating or their partners are stagnating. But I've noticed that women in particular have a much lower threshold. For this stagnation, and they are much more willing to end a relationship and move on if they feel like things are stagnating. And this is unfortunately a trap that I see so many guys fall into, and it ends up either severely damaging their long term relationships or ending them because they stagnate and they can't grow to that next phase. They can't become that next phase of themselves. And honestly, of all the things I I'm saying right here and right now, I do think that this is probably the most important, which is to ensure that you are not stagnating, that you are always changing, you're always growing, you're always becoming a better person. Because people love that. That attracts people. If you notice that you're growing distant with a lot of your friends or your partner, that's a big sign that maybe it's time to to start growing, to start changing. Anyway, another thing that you can do here, in my opinion, and one thing you'll hear a lot of red yellow gil, red gill. <laughs> a lot of red pill guys say is that you should never be emotional with your woman or what have you. I think that this is definitely a misreading of the issue. The thing is that, yes, I do think that women really don't like men just displaying raw emotion. I don't know what it is. I, they should be, in my opinion, more accepting and understanding, but there just seems to be something that really... I think that there is something about a man showing a pure raw emotion that kind of makes her feel uncomfortable because it's not something she's probably used to seeing or interacting with. But again, at the same time, she doesn't want you to be an emotionless robot or a person who can only feel anger, which of course, like we said, is an emotion. What's important here is to be able to uh, articulate your emotional status in ways outside of raw emotion, in ways that she can understand and empathize with. The best way to do this, if you can manage it, is being a skilled wordsmith and being able to articulate how you feel with poignant and powerful words. But there are many more ways that you can do this. You can do this simply through your body language. You can do this with your creative work, like we've talked about before. You you can do this through writing something or performing something or expressing something. I think it's very important to be in tune with your emotions and understand your emotions, particularly as a man. But of course, you never want to let them overwhelm you or run your life. And now here, I'm going to give you guys one of my tricks, my my tips and tricks that I like to use if I want to increase the amount of physical contact that I receive. I know this is going to sound obvious and simple. I know this is going to sound obvious and simple, but to look good to look presentable and what I mean here is that there's a study I read ages ago that really blew my mind in the way men and women see sex and that is that when it comes to just oh we're sitting around and then all of a sudden like wham you know this like sexual thought comes into our head for men that happens way more often than women but when it comes to seeing you know something that arouses them and then getting aroused That happens to men and women at the exact same rate. So obviously, if I look good, if I am more presentable, if I decide to spruce myself up a little bit, I can hopefully maybe elicit that arousal by my wife looking at me. And if I need to up my game a little bit, I will look to sources outside of me and maybe I will suggest that we go watch a movie with one of her celebrity crushes in it. But yeah, knowing what gets your woman hot and bothered and then showing it to her, very effective strategy. And now I want to wrap it up with maybe my most controversial piece of advice here with a little ending segment. And that is, just as we discussed at the start of this segment, that everything that is masculine is not automatically attractive to women. On the flip side, everything that is feminine Is automatically unattractive to women and this uh, may be a very bitter pill to swallow but again once you really start thinking about it and dissecting it you really know that it's true the thing is that a woman wants their man to show small little bits of that kind of feminine mystique if you will as it definitely builds a depth of character and mystery, obviously, to them. I remember back when I was in high school and like the big thing that all the women were gushing over was Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, right? And I remember thinking in high school, like, oh, he's so like lame and like girly and he like prances around and he wears eyeliner and shit like that. When I was a a teenager, I, I brought that up to a girl. And uh, her response always stuck with me. It was something like, eyeliner just makes him sexier. And obviously Johnny, very conventionally attractive man, obviously has a ton of masculine personality traits, but he just has a few of those kind of feminine ones interspliced in there to obviously give him a depth of character that women really appreciated back in the day. And the thing, of course, that these red pill guys will never, ever tell you Is that the ones who are most liable to get taken advantage of and manipulated and even potentially abused by a woman are a lot of these alpha male, super red pill, masculine types because they really don't understand women at all. And this is something that has been borne out through history. Perfect example would be something like Mark Antony and Cleopatra or even Julius Caesar, right? Both guys, obviously at the top of their games at the time, very powerful. I I'd definitely say Mark Antony, pretty physically attractive guy, Caesar less so, but still obviously extremely powerful. Yet, despite these guys would be everything that the red pillars want you to be, Cleopatra had them wrapped around her little finger and manipulated them like there was no tomorrow. So these guys are actually the ones that are most likely To end up in this situation. But of course, the thing here that I again want to stress is obviously don't overdo it, right? What we're talking about here is like a little bit of salt in a dish, right? Don't have any salt and it's very bland, one note, one flavor, not very exciting. You add that little bit of salt and all of a sudden it's got that very exciting depth of flavor that it didn't have before. Add too much salt and all of a sudden your dish is absolutely disgusting. So again, don't try and kill yourself thinking you got to be this pure masculine man, masculine individual, because you'll just end up hating yourself and people will find you very one note and bland. Lastly, to prove my point on this is that we as guys really appreciate the same thing from women, right? We like it when women are, they have a lot of these conventionally female traits, conventionally attractive women. But then they have a few of these masculine traits interspliced inter- in there, and that just makes them more attractive. Uh, you do not want a purely feminine woman as a guy. If you think you want that, you are delusional. You are dreaming. That is not going to be anywhere near as enjoyable or as fulfilling as it sounds in your head. Two. So for me to so just to illustrate this point, let's talk about one of my favorite waifus over the last couple of years which is Pan Am Palmer from Cyberpunk 2077. Pan Am, obviously a very conventionally attractive woman, dark skin, dark hair, brown eyes, but she's a very tomboyish woman. She's got a certain streak of independence and braggadociousness that you don't really see in a lot of women, the kind of personality traits that you would generally associate more towards men But at the end of the day, and I guess very minor spoilers, I won't go into too much of her backstory, but at the end of the day, she is a very vulnerable and sensitive woman who has a complex character history and set of issues that she's dealing with. And I really like that contrast of tough, exterior, soft, vulnerable interior, right? But you see what I'm saying here is that we as guys appreciate the same thing coming from women but obviously again same deal don't want them to overdo it so now let's end here by giving you my kind of if i were a young man trying to make it in the dating world what advice would i go back and give to myself and one thing the red pillars are right about is that be yourself is terrible advice because who the hell knows who their self really is Finding ourself is a lifelong process. That's why I always take this phrase and kind of return it to find yourself. Because in that process, because not only is that an active process, right? You're actively doing something. You're actively searching for something. It takes into account the reality that you might not know who you are and you don't know if you're fully developed. And in this process of finding out who you are, You might actually become that, and you might become that holistic person that people really want to be with. Okay, what if you want something besides just like some hippy-dippy nonsense? Well, (laughs) honestly, and this is coming from a guy who, you know, can't do this at all, or at least very well, is the advice that I would give would be learn to dance. And I know this may sound silly, but one, it's a scientifically proven fact that women love men who can dance. And the reason I think is you've heard, maybe you've heard some of the theories postulated and it's a lot of like evolutionary psychology stuff. It shows that a man has the ability to coordinate his body very well, which means that the woman will want to be with him because he will have a better chance of producing and defending her offspring. Sure, whatever. This is plausible, but... Again, the big issue with a lot of evolutionary psychology, it's entirely unverifiable. So allow me to postulate my own completely unverifiable theory as to why this is. My theory as to why this is basically what we went back before is that dancing is a very powerful way for you to communicate your emotions and your feelings And this is a very attractive way to communicate all of those things to a woman while still being a masculine man, right? Because as we know that dancing, depending on the type of course, is a very physically demanding activity. And so obviously by learning to dance, you're gonna get in better physical shape. But again, it also shows off some of these more intangible qualities in a very masculine and tangible way. And my advice would be is to learn two styles, One style would be something like you could show off in a larger group. And then another style, it would be a style that you could lead somebody in a one-on-one scenario. And if you don't like that suggestion, well, my next suggestion would be to learn a musical instrument or a musical genre of some sort, like be able to create electronic music because it does a lot of the same things although, albeit in a less masculine and physical way, although something like playing a guitar can obviously demonstrate that. But realistically, though, if you haven't achieved, right, this ability to respect yourself and respect other people, unfortunately, if you do get into a relationship, it's probably not going to be the most healthy and fulfilling one. So start with these basic foundations first, build that foundation, and then maybe you can uh, start to add in some of these Fancier tools, if you will, and with that, that brings me to the end of probably the most bizarre episode of the Comrade Cast that I have ever produced. So, with that, I think we can uh, put a nice cap on uh, the red pill. And I always like to talk about human relationships and dynamics and interplay between one another because not only do I find this interesting, this is a big part of our lives. So, those kind of conversations I always love to have, but terms of talking about the manosphere the red pill gonna let a lot of that stuff die out Man, with that i want to thank you guys for watching and i am finally done uh with this episode this has actually been an episode where i have done multiple takes like i said and scrapped them part of me wants to even scrap this take but you know what it is what it is so it's going out there and until next time this has been the comrade signing off for now and you guys take care